Award-winning coverage lives right here on WMUL-FM Huntington, WFGH-FM Fort Gay, and WTHMLP Ravenswood, West Virginia. I'm dropping the hammer. No, you're not. Welcome to Speed Zone, the best motorsports show on radio. I'm your host, Ben Cower, and across the next hour, we'll recap everything. Yes, everything in racing that happened in the last week. We'll discuss the latest news and cap it all off with a star-studded interview. So buckle up, rev your motor, and drop the hammer, because this is Speed Zone. And welcome to Speed Zone here on this Wednesday evening. Thanks for joining us. we got plenty to talk about tonight. There was a lot in the world of racing this past weekend, and there was uh, roval action from Charlotte. There was drivers puking all over the place in Formula One in Qatar. Uh, there was the Cars Tour. For, or, uh, there was action at South Boston. Arca was back in action. And uh, Bathurst 1000, that's right, 1,000 miles in Australia. We don't usually talk about the V8 Supercars, but we'll be talking about it tonight in the upcoming segment. We got plenty of topics to talk about. Haley Deegan's an Xfinity driver now, and uh, joining her, Carson Hosvar, also in Cup next year. We'll be chatting all that up next in the Racing Roundtable segment. But first, tonight, it's Flag to Flag. Welcome to Flag to Flag, a recap of the week that was in motorsports, as Ben Cower covers everything you might have missed in this past week of racing action. Yeah, there was a lot that went on this past week in racing action. Let's start out with some local action at Ona Speedway. It was trick-or-treat night on Saturday night and uh, winning in the Gumbo Stop Cafe Crazy Compacts to close out the night was Stacy Watson in a three-car battle. She was the champion this year, her second straight in the Crazy Compacts at Ona when in, in regards to track championships. So Stacy Watson closes out the season for the Crazy Compacts. It was the last race for the for that class at Ona and uh, she closed it out with a win her sixth of the year in the all seasons power sports late models it should have been shouldn't have been a shock Jake Keaton chapters uh, another victory as he was the champion this year also in the late mods but he will be bringing that late model back to uh, Mountaineer 100 weekend as the late mods will be back just a few weekends from now so Keaton was the winner in the late mods then for the Contempo Trophy Awards U cars it was Jay Workman for his second victory of the year. Jay Workman had a little trouble on the restarts, uh, was getting going a little too soon. It was a little quick to the gun on some of the restarts. was giving uh, some grief to race control, but Jay, uh, Jay Workman walked away with the victory dominated in the U-Cars. Then in the combined a rarity, in the Legends cars it was a combination of the Maze Tire and Service Center Inex Legends Car Pros and the Jeffrey Trucking Inex Legend Car Semi Pros. In the same class, it was a combined nine cars and only two from the pros. It was Adam Jeffrey and Jason Garrett and no, it shouldn't be a shock. Jason Garrett walked away with his second victory of the year in the Legends at Ona 2023. It was, he was the fastest car in qualifying, and Jason dominated for a victory. Some little bit of little bit of rain halfway through that event, but uh, had to wipe the windshields off twice. Jason showed me a photo inside of the car. It was like driving blind. So kudos to Jason, or kudos to Jason for the victory on Saturday night. And in the modifieds, Jeremy Cooper and Wes Smith dueled for. 
before the victory in the Patriot Meat Processing Modifieds. And Cooper, who was the champion this year at Ona in 2023, came away with the victory, holding off the 135 of Wes Smith. And Cooper will be competing, presumably, with Wes Smith in the Mountaineer 100 just a few weekends from now. And finally, the Honda Majestic Street Stocks, it was Kenny Chapman coming away with another victory this year at Ona. He was runner-up in the championship, but bested Tommy Rowe on Saturday night. Again, no points were on the line that night. On Saturday night at Ona, it was just wins and glory. Now on to another race that happened on Saturday, the Charlotte Roval for the Xfinity Series. Sam Mayer was the winner and quoted... After the race, he, we may we may be Almondinger 2.0. That was a reference because AJ Almondinger. This is the first ever race uh, weekend that he didn't race in the Xfinity Series at the Roval. Four straight wins for AJ, and then uh, later won the Cup race. But we'll talk about that in a second. But Sam Mayer has won just about every single road course race this year in the Xfinity Series. So I don't think he was lying. Uh, there was four drivers eliminated in the playoff race this past weekend. It was uh, Daniel Hemrick, Parker Kligerman. Josh Berry in a bit of a shocker and Jeb Burton first four out in the Xfinity Series playoffs Sam Mayer your winner Cole Custer had to settle for second Josh Berry uh, was in third not good enough to make it into the next round Riley Herbst in P4 and Kaz Grala in P5 in the Sam Hunt Racing number 26 machine now on to the Arkham Menard Series at Toledo Speedway this past Saturday it was the final race for the National Series for Arca there's two regional west and east east's already done and how fitting it was the east series champion william sawalich with the victory on saturday at toledo he took home the victory over Jesse Love, who was the champion in the National Series. He finished second, Sean Hingarani in third, Andres Perez de Lara in P4, and Christian Rose in P5. Rose going to be returning full-time to AM Racing in ARCA next year, so he really earned it with that P5 finish. And Jesse Love earned Venturini its fourth Arkham Menard Series Owners' Championship and its first since Christian Eckes accomplished that during the 2019 series or 2019 season. Uh, Love also is first ever national title in the Arkham Menard Series. Already has two in the West in his career. It's the final national series race for Arca, but still three events remaining in the West schedule. We'll be talking about that in a little bit in What's Up This Week. Also happening on Saturday, it was the Cars Tour at South Boston. Sobo and the winner was Deke McCaskill. His second win this year. Lane Riggs had to settle for a second. And Bobby McCarty in P3 in the late model stock cars. Nick Loden, his first ever win in the Cars Tour. And the Pro late mods, Cole Butcher in second and Caden Kavapel in P3, uh, in P3, I should say. Second win of 2023 again for Deke McCaskill. Connor Jones uh, also competing in the late model stock cars and the Cars Tour was suspended a race for rough driving, so he won't race at Tri-County. But again, McCaskill's second win this year. First time is uh, since 2017 that McCaskill's had two wins in a season. Again, had to hold off Lane Riggs in a defensive clinic. Now on to Formula 1. It was a lot of drivers getting sick. The conditions not exactly ideal in the Formula 1 race. It was at the Qatar Grand Prix at Lazar Circuit on Sunday. Max Verstappen shouldn't be a surprise. His 14th win this year in 17 races. Pure dominance from Verstappen, who clinched his third consecutive Formula 1 points championship Saturday with the Qatar Grand Prix sprint race, where Oscar Piastri, the second-place finisher in the main race, uh, captured his first-ever F1 victory of a sort in the sprint race. Lando 
Norris, also of McLaren in P3 on the podium for uh, the Qatar Grand Prix. So two McLarens and a Red Bull car. Verstappen on the podium with the win, I should say, at Formula One on Sunday. Now also the NASCAR Cup Series on Sunday. A.J. Allmendinger, we mentioned him, uh, scored the victory on Sunday. Uh, it was the uh, his first victory in Two years at uh, in Cup Series since the uh, 2021 race at the Indianapolis Road Course. And Almendinger walked away with a, a very emotional victory. We'll be chatting about that in the Racing Roundtable segment a little later. Uh, William Byron in the number 24 for Hendrick Motorsports had to settle for second. Kyle Busch in P3 wasn't good enough to move on to the next round, but had a good run on Sunday. Ty Gibbs in fourth place. Joey Logano rounding out the top five in the number 22 machine. Tyler Reddick in P6 had probably the strongest car of the event, but just pit strategy and uh, the strategy of needing to secure his way into the next round points-wise relegated him to P6 uh, in the weekend. Chris Buescher in P7. Alex Bowman in 8th place. Chase Elliott in ninth with a strong run for the 9 car. And Ross Chastain in the 1 car, a top 10 finish. But Chastain Brad Keselowski, Bubba Wallace, and Kyle Busch all eliminated from title contention following the conclusion of the race. Again, it was the final race of the round of 12, and those four drivers no longer eligible for a Cup Series title this year. And again, Olmendinger uh, led twice, again, for a race-high 46 laps, captures his first Cup race of the season, and his first ever at the Charlotte Road Course, at least in the Cup side mentioned earlier, four straight. Uh, This entering the Cup race this year wasn't eligible to race in the Xfinity race this year, but four straight in that event. So AJ knows how to win at the Roval. He proved it to the competition on Sunday for the third win of his Cup Series career. Now on to the Bathurst 1000. You could hear the the bed ended a little while ago. I still got plenty of racing action. Just the Bathurst 1000 and then World of Outlaws up next to close out this segment. But the Bathurst 1000 in New South, in New South Wales, Australia down in Mount Panorama this Saturday. It was uh, he's coming stateside next year Shane Van Gisbergen with the victory and his co-driver Richie Stanaway across a thousand miles on Mount Panorama and uh, in his number 97 Camaro for triple eight. Again, finished the race in six hours, seven minutes and seven seconds. Again, crossed those two drivers and then the runners up in the race, Brody Kostecki and David Russell in the number 99 Camaro for Erebus Motorsports. Uh, Kostecki, another guy in Erebus Another team coming and running stateside here in the Cup Series next year. Uh, part-time, though. Uh, finished 20 seconds behind the winners of Gisbergen and Stanaway for Triple Eight, And then third on the podium, Anton De Pasquale in his first ever podium at Bathurst. And Tony D'Alberto in the number 11 Mustang for Dick Johnson Racing. So it was a, certainly an exciting race down at uh, the Bathurst 1000, Mount Panorama. But on top, it was Shane Van Gisbergen and his co-driver, Richie Stanaway and Van Gisbergen coming up stateside. So presumably for now, that's his final Bathurst 1000 win. And closing out uh, flag to flag, World of Outlaws action at Port Royal Speedway this past uh, weekend, Friday and Saturday, again in Port Royal, Pennsylvania for the Nittany Showdown. And the winner in race number one on Friday was Tyler Courtney. Carson Macedo in P2 and David Gravel had to settle for third place but still gets a podium. And then the top three in race number two on Saturday, Zeb Wise scored the victory. Tyler Courtney uh, ended up in P2 and Tyler Schuert ended up in P3. So that'll close out the flag-to-flag segment of the show. We'll take a quick break here and then when we return it's the best segment of the show. What's up this week where I get to tell you everything that's happening this weekend. Schedule-wise 
advice in auto racing. So we'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, what's up this week here on Speed Zone? After the phone interview, I assumed the apartment was mine, but when I got to the place and the manager saw me, he told me it was no longer available. My husband and I wanted to see all the neighborhoods with great schools, but our real estate agent only showed us the communities where she thought we would be more comfortable. I was so excited to move into my new place, but now that I'm here, I found out that the landlord is charging me higher rent than my neighbors. Now that doesn't make me feel very welcome. These individuals may have experienced housing discrimination. The Fair Housing Act prohibits discrimination because of race, color, national origin, religion, sex, disability, and familial status. If you've experienced discrimination, call 1-800-669-9777 or visit www.hud.gov fairhousing. Live free from housing discrimination. Welcome back to Speed Zone. It's time for What's Up This Week, a segment of the show where I get to tell you, the listener, what the heck's up this week in the world of racing with regards to racing action. Let's begin with Friday, where the Arkham Menard Series West, which still has mentioned it earlier, three races left this season, so it's the last of the Arca racing this season. It will kick off NASCAR's Vegas Vacation this weekend with a 150-mile race at the Las Vegas Bullring at 10 p.m. for us here on the East Coast. Again, that's on Friday. And also on Friday, the World of Outlaws. This week, traveling across the country from Pennsylvania, Port Royal, just mentioned it, all the way to Kansas for the first of two races in the Sunflower State, with Friday's race being the Kansas Outlaw Classic at 81 Speedway in Wichita. Now on to Saturday, where the NASCAR Xfinity Series returns to the track for the second weekend in a row and races at the big track, Las Vegas Motor Speedway at 3.30 p.m. for more playoff action in the Xfinity Series. The night two of racing in Kansas for the World of Outlaws taking place now at Lakeside Speedway. So they go from 81 Speedway on Friday to Lakeside Speedway on Saturday for the Microlight Harvest Rumble. Also the WeatherTech, excuse me, the WeatherTech Sports Car Championship in IMSA will be racing at Petit Le Mans at Road Atlanta this Saturday afternoon into the evening. So plenty of racing action on Saturday. And then finally on Sunday, the NASCAR Cup Series kicking off the round of eight in the playoffs at Las Vegas Motor Speedway, 2.30 p.m. for 400 miles of action in race number seven of the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Just eight drivers remaining, four going to get eliminated after this round from title contention. So every race matters obviously, from here on out. Meanwhile, in Winchester, Indiana, the famed Winchester 400 will take place, hosting the best in the U.S. in late mods this Sunday with the green flag waving at 2 p.m. from the high banks of the action track in Indiana. So that'll wrap, that'll wrap up what's up this week. Plenty of racing action across the three days, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. What are you going to watch? I hope as much of it as you possibly can. So we'll take another quick break here on Speed Zone. When we come back, it'll be the race Roundtable, where, we'll where we will be discussing some of the hottest and latest news and topics in racing news this weekend. So stay tuned. More coming up next here on Speed Zone. Hi. 
I joined because I wanted to contribute to something bigger than myself. On my first patrol, my adrenaline was pumping. I knew it would be tough, but I was ready for the challenge. Always on high alert. After a while, it takes a toll. I was counting the days till I came home to my family. Finally, the day arrived. It was good to be home at first, but then I realized things were different. I was different. I had trouble focusing and relating to things the way I used to. Then a buddy noticed something wasn't right. He said he'd been there, that there are resources out there for veterans. I decided to reach out. I found resources that helped and connected with other veterans who had similar experiences. Once I started making connections, things began to turn around. There may still be bumps in the road, but now I know where to turn. Find resources and support at maketheconnection.net. Make the connection. Hey, if you don't want to listen, get your earplugs ready, because we're about to hear some high-octane debate. It's time for the Racing Roundtable with your host Ben Cower and multiple guest panelists. Whew, now that that's over, who's at the table today? And who is at the table today? There's only one person at the table today. It's Sean Kelly. Sean, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be on. It, it's, <laughs> it's a pleasure to have Sean on the show. Only only one on the Racing Roundtable tonight, Dale I'm all Garrett. alone. He's all alone. It was just the two of us. I'm not gonna subject, I'm not gonna subject a listening audience to me singing. Hey, you know, maybe they like it. I'm here to talk, not to sing. Uh, let's talk about some racing and let's uh, begin tonight with a little bit of racing action as of course this past weekend was the Roval. It was across two series, the Xfinity Series raced on Saturday and the Cup Series on Sunday. Sean, uh, let's open up tonight. What were your thoughts on the Roval? Anything stand out to you? I mean, in terms of both most of the racing and the results in terms of who got cut in the playoffs, I would say it's mostly predictable. We had some silly wrecks in there with you know, Eric Jones earlier in the race spinning himself out, coming out of the heartburn turn. Mm -hmm. Hamlin was involved in two wrecks and lots of collisions in the foam barriers, as we've seen a bunch throughout the past couple of years. And the results... Elliott got another Chase Elliott with another top 10. He's been dominant at the Roval. I, I believe it was Elliott was Dale's pick to win at the Roval. Yes. And I I mean He was close. He had a fast car. He was he was in second at one point as as well, finished ninth, but he was up in the top five as well. And Kyle Bush, who was one of the names I was looking at because the past two years prior to this race at least he also finished in the top 10 finished fourth in 2021 and then 2022 he finished third third again this year so it was also nice to see after about th about three weeks now of some lackluster performances on Kyle Bush's part and it's too little too late as the playoff standings coming out of this week in terms of who got cut as i said also sort of predictable kyle bush was down in a hole and keselowski uh, was, wasn't enough there chastain has been disappointed the past couple of weeks and mm -hmm. same with bubba in terms of finishes so i mean those were almost at least three of the four of my picks to get cut last week i'll tell you what is surprising though 
not only Almondinger winning the first time in two years, but the performance of Martin Shurex Jr. Oh, throughout goodness, these yeah. entire playoffs. Talk about just doing enough just to coast by in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. That is the story of Martin Shurex Jr. these past month, at least. It's been but rough. It's It has been rough. And it's, Can I I'm, drop a stat, Sean? Please do. Martin Truex Jr., he made it to the round of eight. Again, he was the regular season champion in the NASCAR Cup Series this year. Barely bested William Byron this year, but uh, Truex won the regular season title, was the most consistent driver in the regular season. And then, despite and, and then, again, made the round of eight. So he is one of the final eight drivers eligible for a title, but he is hanging on because he has zero top 15 finishes in the playoffs. Zero. His last top 15 was Watkins Glen in early to mid-August. I mean, you talk... That's bad. Wow. He's moved up to second in the playoff standings now, even with the past four weeks at least being just top 20 finishes you talk about consistency Mm -hmm. i'll give him credit he's been consistent consistently in the dregs (laughs) of the top 20 i just want to say i think it's very funny that again zero top 15 finishes in the playoffs for truex and yet he is 15 above this is very fittingly 15 points above the cutoff but that will very quickly go away if he continues to run as he has this is exactly why Every single round besides this past round, I have been picking Truex as my top four in who gets cut. And I remember specifically the week before Bristol when you guys went down there, Dale was a bit resistant on my opinion of uh, opinion of that. Where he's like, "Oh, I don't know. He's he's found a way." and he certainly has, but he th- just this, continues to persist. He yes, he is like to the other drivers. He's like a gnat in 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 the face of the playoff standings <laughs> around them. Yeah, it, uh, this uh, not being able to finish in the top fifteen in any race in the playoffs is not going to win you a title. So Trex and the nineteen team are going to need to step up the performance this week. And I will and I will say as well. Uh, sorry to cut you off. No, you're good. But. The ending as well was uh, was a solid ending, and yeah, yeah, even, to the race, to the Roval. Yes, and between William Byron and AJ Allmendinger, Byron was close throughout most of those last couple of laps, just a little bit squirrely in the turns, but a little he, loose. He uh, he was keeping but pushing. Yeah, he was keeping close the entire time, and I know the Roval is not. Uh, high up on the list of people's favorite tracks, but it was still a good ending, even even with all that being said. It was certainly a fan favorite winner, where obviously it had been a couple of years since Almondinger had taken home a trophy in the Cup Series, and I don't care who you are or what you think of A.J. Almondinger, but the reaction that he has every single time he wins a race is how I would... It's I mean, every driver should celebrate that way after winning a race. It's how it's how any of us would would celebrate that same situation. I mean, it's just uh, AJ Allmendinger is always he is always so full of energy 
when he wins a race and he's so happy and the emotion coming out of him after winning the race it was certainly a emotional victory because he doesn't know if he's going to be cup racing next year i mean the rumor as of this past week jordan bianchi of the athletics said that it's looking towards he won't be cup racing next year at least full time uh and could be out of at least the cup ride next year and being you know going back to the xfinity series whether aj wants that or not who knows but i mean i think it was pretty telling in his in his victory lane it wasn't victory lane interview but his victory it was his victory interview on the front stretch with nbc and he said you know it's a cup race man you don't know when the next one you don't know when you're going to win the next one you You don't know if it's ever going to come again you know what it reminds me of and uh it kind of reminds me of the the argument that some players in baseball have of you know the those types of emotional celebrations after after a home run it's the same sort of deal with this where you know any of us or any of those drivers get put in that situation it's 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 like Almondinger said you don't know when your next one is going to be so you know celebrating it like it's 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 the first one and it's it's nice to see as as a fan even even though we don't know where exactly Almondinger is going to end up next I uh, one thing I wanted to bring up from the Roval while we're still on it is I didn't really like and this was an issue that people brought up was <clears throat> Bubba Wallace was a victim of this and it's other drivers essentially victims being spun into the corners because NASCAR's rule on the road courses specifically the Roval is if you blow a corner you have to compl- you have to come to a complete stop and whether usually that is a single car just like going blowing a chicane or something and then it has to come to a complete stop or else it has to serve a pit road penalty has to pass through uh but bubble wallace was a victim of that on saturday or sunday excuse me where he got turned into on the backstretch where daniel suarez was plowing through people really all day long and you know he, he clocked Austin Sindrick heading into the backstretch chicane with not long in the race remaining, and then the two car got spun into the 23, and then they both spun the two and the 23 into the chicane, and the two, I mean, you could argue blew it, but even though it wasn't really his fault, but he obviously came to a complete stop, and the 23 inadvertently came to a complete stop because he got spun around, but NASCAR told him that he had to come to a complete stop other than just going in i don't like that there and then he wasn't the only example of that happening on on sunday where other drivers were collected and other drivers mess and they had to drive to avoid a crash but yet they would have to miss a corner to avoid a wreck and come to a complete stop and it just cost them so much so many positions it's not really necessarily something that could be manipulated you know it's it's just What are you going to do? I mean, they do it on the plate tracks where they will give someone the benefit of the doubt if they go below the double yellow line to avoid a crash. Uh, But I guess that same extension of, you know, leniency is not granted on the road courses. It's especially a shame as well, considering that both Suarez and Bubba Wallace in this case were doing well basically yeah. all race they Cindric were... too which is a rarity this year <laughs> how that two team has run yeah has not been where it's needed to be all year but in, in terms of uh, re- regarding Wallace having to come to a complete stop before before racing again it's I mean we've seen this situation before with NASCAR it's just another situation of NASCAR being 
sticklers and going about rules like these in the most rigid, by-the-book sort of way. Mm -hmm. It's not the first time we've seen this with rules like these, and it won't be the last. It's which, just it's just how it's just, it's just how the operations go. Which I think is just I just want to say there's a layer of irony to that because NASCAR being so strict about following its own rules, and then it changed its own rules for the Roval to bring back stage cautions. Which I just I thought that was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, Martin Tricks Jr. Also, again, that's that's rough. You know, I he just needs to improve upon that. Oh, no! That's my reaction to that. Is like I, he just needs to change it. But before we get off the Roval, Sean, I just want to uh, hold on. I need to introduce in a nice campfire here and set in a nice ambiance. You know, some nice music playing. Some nice mood music. Oh no, this is very nice mood music. I'd like to welcome everybody to the first Speed Zone uh, fireside chat. And today, I'd like to uh, I'd like to invite Corey LaJoey to the fireside chat here on Speed Zone because, Corey, I'd like you to just take a seat by the fire. It's nice and calm. You know, it's nice and ambiance. Listen to the music. It's very calm. Keep it in your mind because, Corey LaJoey, you know, the last couple of weeks, bud, you, you wrecked a lot of cars. You were a bit of a wrecking ball. You caused millions of dollars in damage at Talladega. And then this week, you plowed through more cars. That's That's not good. It's not good, is it, Sean? It is not. No, it's it's not good. He has gone the entire time, the entire season thus far, without not finishing a race. Yeah, he, his, Corey LaJoey has not recorded a single DNF this year. And if he gets to the end of the season, he'd only be the 34th driver all time to ever do that. He's, he has, and the way, Corey, the way that you're driving... It's, uh, you are not going to reach, you are not going to be the 34th driver ever in NASCAR history to finish a season after running it in the full without a DNF because, bud, you got to settle it down a little bit, all right? You're causing a lot of damage to other drivers and cars. Josh Balicki was not happy with you after this race. And the next time you get that bloodthirsty lust to plow through another car, I want you to think of this setting. You know, we're just here by the fire and nice music. I know you podcast. This isn't a podcast. This is a radio show. Take some but deep from, breaths. From entertainer to entertainer, take a deep breath and, you know, keep this ambiance in your mind. And the next time you're behind the back bumper of a car for 18th place and you just want to drive them into the wall. Because I know that's going to happen. You're going to get that same lust at Martinsville. Everybody does. But I want you to be different. Because I know you can be different, Corey. Do some meditation. Do some meditation, and you know what? I think today's talk has been very good. He has the opportunity to join some illustrious guests. The last, the last time this happened, 2021 with Denny yeah. Hamlin. You know, uh, 2020 Kevin Harvick. Yeah, Joey Logano. You Jeff could Gordon. join. The list goes on. You could join an elite group. You hear Jeff Gordon? I know you like Hendrick. Don't you want to be like the guy who is right below Rick Hendrick right now and Jeff Gordon? 2003 Terry Labonte. Yeah. Corey, you could join them, but you just have to settle down a little bit, buddy. Corey, and, I, and I know you are a great driver, and you are a very talented driver. Corey, I know you are more talented than driving through people like you did the last two past weekends. So instead of a Benny Hill rant this week, I'm just taking it nice and relaxing. And maybe this, maybe this will change Corey's mind a little bit. Corey, you can join Dale Earnhardt on that list. Yeah, Dale Earnhardt. 
The great Dale Earnhardt. The great Dale Earnhardt. So, Corey, I'm glad we had this chat by the fireside. If you listen to the, the nice crackling of the fire and the nice calm music, the nice calm royalty-free music uh, that is not breaking any sort of copyright, you know... Corey, I'm glad we had this chat, and maybe this next week at Las Vegas, we can settle it down a little bit. Thank you, Corey. All right, that concludes the uh, the fireside chat. Wasn't that good, Sean? I think I think Corey needed that talk. It was it, it was a change of pace. Yeah, maybe maybe he had some nice warm warm <laughs> milk or some tea <laughs> to help calm him down. You know, some chamomile tea. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe put a put put a couple marshmallows in his hot chocolate or something like that. Okay. It's, it's getting it's getting colder outside. It is getting colder outside. So uh, with that, that's really all we can touch on about the Roval. Let's move on to the next topic. It happened a day after our last episode. Today being the sixteenth episode of Speed Zone. Let's get a. Uh... Oh no, not a laugh. Applause. It's the sixteenth episode, everybody. We made it. We did it. But after the 15th episode, Haley Deegan decided to wait until uh, Thursday, the day after, to announce that next year she'll be full-time Xfinity Series racing, where uh, next year, again, she's been a Truck Series veteran the last couple years, and uh, now will be graduating to the NASCAR Xfinity Series next year, full-time, in the new second car for AM Racing in the Xfinity Series, the number 15 car being the teammate to the number 25. Brett Moffitt will not be returning to that car next year, so that her teammate is currently open. Who knows? will be in the 25. Maybe it'll be an all-star car. Who knows? But Haley will be moving up to the Xfinity Series next year. Sean, uh, with regards to Haley Deegan, what are your thoughts on the move, and what are your expectations for her next year as she hasn't won a race since she was in the ARCA West Series? I'll tell you one thing for certain it's this is a now or never sort of opportunity for Haley Deegan especially after a okay truck series uh, season a lot of top 20s but and a lot of wrecks and a lot of wrecks it's been really inconsistent this year for Deegan but the argument has been that the trucks don't really fit her style of driving you know, there's tapered spacers on there, which basically has the complete opposite effect of what she's used to in dirt and basically every single other form of racing that she's come up in prior to trucks. So maybe coming up to Xfinity will and getting away from that sort of setup will help in that. I'm not expecting her to... You know, light the world on fire with AM Racing. I'm not expecting her to go out and be a top five contender and championship contender in Xfinity or anything like that. But this is probably the best opportunity she is going to have in building from a largely or mostly disappointing truck, truck series. series beginning. Yeah, yeah I, uh, it's put up or shut up time for Haley Deegan where. You know, she got from she was very impressive when she was in the West Series, racked up two victories, and then uh, moved to ARCA and was very solid. And then her adventures in the Truck Series have not proved to be very fruitful. Where she's moved now to across two teams, you know, was with uh, DGR Crosley, which is now Tricon, and spent two years there and didn't really 
have any good impressive runs i mean she finished like top five at mid ohio but that was like the highlight really with her time at dj crosley across two seasons and then this season moved to championship level equipment with Thor Sport Racing. The 13 truck is the same equipment. It's the same stuff the 99 truck is getting. Ben Rhodes, he won a title on that. She had the same crew chief, Rich Lushes, uh, with the, uh, uh, the uh, this year that Ben Rhodes had when he won his title in the trucks two years ago. And really, everything was set up for her to be able to succeed. There was really no excuse at that point if she couldn't get it done in the truck, and then this season she has not been able to get it done in the trucks. She seldom has ever run top 10, really is top 20, I'd say, range, but some reckless moves this year, has gotten in some some wrecks, has been the victim sometimes, but has really been all over the place again. And you could tell that Haley wasn't really learning anything, and I, I presume that Haley was either, if she was going to stay in the truck series, you know, she was not, she was probably going to dip out. I would have understood it too, where she's not learning anything past a certain point. But Ford, you know, gives her this ride in the Xfinity series, moves her up, thinks highly of her as a prospect, and can see what she she can do in cars that have better throttle response, where that is the big difference, or at least one of the primary differences between the trucks and the Xfinity series, where there's a lot more horsepower in these Xfinity cars than there are in the trucks, and there's also a lot more throttle control, which helps out with guys who are dirt racers. You know, she doesn't necessarily want to become the next Sheldon Creed, where Creed had a pretty disappointing rookie season in Xfinity and is now just now figuring it out. Uh, we'll be talking about him in a little bit. There's some news that came out today about Creed and his future, but uh, she needs to out of the bat, I, I think it'll be a bit of a learning curve, but you know, realistic expectations. If she can run, that is a top 15 car that she will be in next year. I know it's AM racing, but she'll be getting in. She talked about it. Best motors from Ford and the setup top setup notes where presumably that'll be coming from Stewardos Racing. Uh, AM Racing has had a little bit of a technical alliance with them this year, so I would guess that is going to continue. And that car will be set up to not only just succeed, but probably win some weekends. And I don't think it'll be every weekend, but Haley has the car in the team to be able to run well. I think it is a playoff-level car that she will be in next year with the support behind it. But it's time to put up or shut up because there's no more excuses of, hey, she couldn't adapt to the trucks. You know, if she can't adapt to driving an Xfinity car competitively, she's not going to make it to Cup. And mentioning Ford, especially with how many prospects have it's, left for uh, it's let slip racing. through its yeah. fingers it's it's going to want every opportunity possible to keep any sort of prospect that it has in the best motors it can and, and try to keep them on with, yeah with how how much it's lost in the past couple of years but yeah deegan and you know I, I think it's an interesting she's an interesting choice to keep around as a prospect you know you let a truck series champion in zane smith this go 
to Chevy and he'll be at Spire full-time in Cup next year. Uh, that's a massive loss for Ford. But you keep Haley around and she, you know, it's not like she's inept at, a, at driving. She's plenty talented. I mean, she's been she's been able to go out and compete against former champions in SRX and run and get podium finishes. Uh, she's very, very, very talented on dirt and off-road racing. And, you know, that's why I say you put her in a car with a bit more throttle control and response and it's going to be looser. There's less downforce on the Xfinity cars than there are in the trucks. And it's the trucks are very much the opposite of her driving style. It's a bit concerning that she didn't adapt competitively in that across three years of competition and good equipment. But you put her up in an Xfinity car, maybe it will maybe it will apply to her driving style better. It already has. She has run an Xfinity race two years ago at Las Vegas. It was literally two years ago this weekend and she finished 13th and you know it was solid she ran a clean race she didn't go a lap down to my knowledge but Haley is a driver she's a driver that is able to run competitive if everything is right that's not always ideal but we'll see how she runs this year I wish her the best of luck um, and I certainly hope that in 2024 Haley is able to adapt to the Xfinity car a lot quicker than she was able to to the trucks because the quality of competition will be better in the Xfinity series, so she will have to step it up on the performance-wise, but, you know, I wish her the best of luck with regards to uh, pursuing the Xfinity series next year. I hope it works out better. So on to the next topic. Uh, Josh Berry in the Xfinity series uh, was eliminated from the playoffs this past weekend at the Roval, which is a bit of a shocker. If you said that Really, in the first half of the season, that would come as a big shock because Barry had a pretty good first half of the season. But Josh Barry did not win this year. He earned the ride that he has through, you know, winning. He earned a ride in the Xfinity Series by winning at Martinsville. And Barry is a driver that has been able to win in the Xfinity Series. Next year, he's going cup racing, and he's not just going cup racing for any other team. He's going cup racing in Kevin Harvick's ride at Stewart Racing. It is the that is the primary ride at that team, the four car with Rodney Childers, and he has everything at his disposal to be able to succeed when he goes to that team. Maybe not win with how Stuart Haas has run this year, but run semi good. And who knows how the performance might change for Stuart Haas next year, but. His win, he's winless this year. His performance has dipped since his announcement of going to Stuart Haas Racing in Cup next year. Should Stuart Haas Racing be worried, Sean, or will Barry rebound? I don't think it should be. It, it should really be worried too much. I mean, even going to the few times he's run in Cup thus far as, as well. I mean, going back to Hendrick, which is another top flight team such as... Stuart Haas on closer to the level of Stuart Haas than his time at Spire or Legacy would be and there he ran second in Richmond 10th in Phoenix 10th in Dover he's had quality runs while filling in at Hendrick in the Cup Series and in Xfinity it's sure he didn't win at all this year with Junior Motorsports in the Xfinity Series, but he's still had quality runs nonetheless. I mean, just last week at the Roval, he finished third. So, even though it's a little bit of a slump compared to last year, it's more, if anything, I'm not presuming anything on on what he's thinking or how he's racing at, at this point with the Stuart Haas 
uh, announcement already being confirmed weeks prior. But you're saying he hasn't get he hasn't gotten complacent. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not saying that, but it's it's more along the lines of 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 a you know he's he's already uh, he's already announced at Stuart Haas. He's proven that he can run in cup win in, the best. Yes, and this year with Junior Motorsports, so uh, there's really nothing to be worried about. He already has a, a four, at least five top top fives in the Xfinity Series already this year. I think. I will disagree with you a little bit where I think that Stuart Haas racing has a little bit to be concerned where already it's an inherent risk and Barry for on multiple fronts where he's not bringing any money. He's not bringing any sponsorship money. Tony Stewart, who co-owns Stuart Haas racing made a big deal out of that and said he wanted to go out and get guys he believes in. And you know, with how Stuart Haas racing is looking next year, He's certainly going out and getting guys that may be down, out for the count, a bit blue-collar, or have been, you know, all over the place. And Barry is a guy who it's very much, very similar to, like, a Greg Biffle in that sense, where he's come on very late in his career. Biffle didn't enter the Cup Series till he was, like, 34. And that was, albeit, that was after a Truck Series title and a Bush Series title, which of which Barry has neither. But Barry, as a, uh, he's won plenty of big races and late models and is a weekly series champion so in for nascar in the lower series but his one races in the xfinity side he's talented he's plenty talented but i think it should be a little concerning that this is the year he's getting promoted he has a bit of a down year before he heads up into cup and if i'm stardust racing i i would have to make clear to him say hey you know this year's an anomaly right like You've been fairly consistent, but you get eliminated first round in a junior motorsports car in the playoffs, and you didn't win. Okay, you know, <laughs> let's hope that next year goes a little bit better. I, I don't think he'll be awful, obviously, but I think it's going to be a bit of a learning curve, and I think Stuart House Racing has the right to be a little concerned here. I will uh, agree with that partially also because Barry had a much more consistent first half of the year and a lot more top fives and top tens more consistently than he has in the past couple of weeks and months prior but even with that it just seems like the the argument is as if Barry hasn't done well at all this year at least it seems to, at least it seems to me well, that, he's that, been, that's how it sounds like yeah like, like how like not, how like how we're putting it and, that, and yeah, that's not that's the not case true. at all no that's not true but I, I know it's just having a down year before going into cup i think it's just certainly something to keep an eye on heading into next year we will move on to the next topic keeping it with Stuart haas racing and again folks i just want to clarify this is just a rumor but it's from a darn good source and jordan bianchi we mentioned him earlier uh he's been trying to dig for clues on some of the he works for the athletic so it's a, an official publication and he's been trying to dig on some of these teams and he knows more than we know and more than maybe the drivers know themselves but heading into next year he said that uh this this past weekend on his podcast uh, that Noah Gragson, who has been you know cast aside ever since the incident in uh, August, where he was suspended for uh, insensitive uh, actions 
off the track, but lost his ride at Legacy Motor Club, lost the 42 ride, has been kind of in stasis ever since, hasn't run anything, at least on the NASCAR side, has been running, I think he ran a Pinty Series race, which is a NASCAR race technically, and then has run some late model stuff, but he hasn't done anything in the top three series, at least in NASCAR side, but... Jordan Bianchi mentioned that Noah Gragson is the rumored favorite and is about expected to be in the Stuart Haas Racing 10 car next year, replacing Eric Almarola, who will presumably be departing at the end of the season. It's the last year of his contract. So, Sean, is this a good fit, and is Noah Gragson deserving of another shot in Cup? I won't put it clearly as a good fit, and but on the other hand of this... It's it's going back to Gregson having a career worst year on and off the track from the performance that he had with in the Legacy 42 car prior to the suspension and coming out of the suspension as well. But it doesn't help that it was a Legacy Motor Club car compared to, you know, Stuart Haas. It's a good car. Now. I, now. Now, but in the early part of the season, it was not. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It's, the the quality does not match up with, with Stuart Haas. That, it, it just is what it is. And it's, it's sort of like putting a top prospect, whether that be someone like, you know, O'Neill Cruz in the Pirates, for example, in an organization where the quality compared to another organization like let's say the cardinals or even though they didn't do as well this year but my point is putting prospects in a situation where it's already at a disadvantage quality wise whether that be with training prospects or in this case just quality of the car in general so that's that's my point in this is sure the results may not say that he deserved it but he's at least deserving of Seeing what he can do for uh, further in his career past this opportunity that he had this year. I think it is a good fit. I think Gregson fits the mold of that team kind of where, I mean, yes, a little bit of money behind him, but uh, then again, he's not a pay driver, you know, where he's not directly tied to any sponsors and you know Gregson will go there he's certainly proved that as you said Sean he's a very talented driver I mean in Xfinity last year he was lights out I mean he won I don't know it was what six seven races in a row it was a lot of races in a row late on in the season ended up with a career year in Xfinity came up short of the championship but then again Tide Gibbs had a superhuman year uh either way obviously this year Stuart Ross racing if he ends up there next year that is again hoping that in the Josh Berry sense that Gragson's ear this year is a bit of anomaly and Stuart Haas is taking some gambles heading into next year you know uh, Chase Briscoe is seeming to be pretty steady but had a down year this year and the performance of the team overall has been down and it's taking on Barry who's going to be a cop rookie you know Gragson would be coming back for a second year if he ends up in that car Ryan Priest has improved as the year has gone on, but still not exactly where he needs to be with performance uh, across an entire season. Then uh, I think Gragson is plenty talented. I think he fits Tony's bill of being uh, very outspoken. And Stuart Haas, unlike 
Legacy Motor Club is a team that is not going to put a piece of duct tape over Noah's mouth. And Tony's probably going to back up. Uh, Tony will back up his guy a lot more than Legacy did, where Legacy arguably was kind of looking for an out on this contract, just with, with regards to his performance and with John Hunter Nemechek and the Toyota deal and the wings. But I think it's a good, I think it's a perfect landing spot for Gregson his personality him as a driver i don't think he's going to go out and win a title obviously year one but i think it's a good place for him to grow and i think personality wise and just for noah as a as a person i think that is a good place for him he will be around he will have support there legitimate support and people that will actually care about trying to grow him as a driver in the cup side i think it's a good landing spot for Gragson next year. So, speaking of drivers coming up into Cup next year, Carson Hosevar announced on NASCAR Race Hub last night that he will be signing a two-year contract with Spire Motorsports to race in the Cup Series, again, in the number 77 car next year full-time, and he will also be in that same car 2025 full-time. So, Spire Motorsports now with three cars for next year in Cup. Zane Smith will be a rookie. He'll be in... We don't know the number of that car yet, but he'll be full-time. And Carson Osvar is going to be full-time. He'll also be a rookie. And then, as we mentioned, we had a fireside chat with him earlier. Corey LaJoy will be the consistent, at least, uh, driver in the lineup for Spire yet again. And he'll be in the seven car next year. So Spire's going to three cars. Carson Hosevar is going to be in one of those cars and has been fairly impressive in his cup starts this year in the Legacy Motorsports 42. So, Sean, I pose to you, do you think, what are your, what are your thoughts on this Hosevar signing, and do you think Hosevar will succeed in Cup next year full time? I I love the move. I I think other than Zane Smith, Hosevar has probably been the second most talked about name coming into the season. Other than Zane Smith, with the run that he's had in trucks thus far, and with Hosevar, how he did coming out of the lackluster performance that Gregson had in the 42 car, just immediately coming out and having four four top 20 finishes back to back to back consecutively. I think he, I think that is a very good sign of what he can do more consistently in cup. Do I think that's going to be the case throughout? We'll see, but it's a great sign of things to come. And I I like it. I, I think Zane Smith and Hosevar could be the top two. It's probably the favorite in Rookie of the Year uh, favorites next year. But I, I, I like what Spire is doing with those two drivers. I have cautious optimism towards the move where I think Carson is a tremendous driver. And so is Zane Smith. And Corey LaJoy when he's not plowing into people. But I think Hosevar has all the talent in the world, but he's going to need time to mature in the Cup Series, where he has the talent, he has the speed, he has the pace, he has the ability to adapt. He has everything you really need alongside Zane Smith. And those two guys next year, no matter how talented they are, are going to wreck a lot of cars. And Spire is making a lot of moves this offseason. It's buying a lot of cars. It's buying a lot of teams. It bought Kyle Busch Motorsports. It's a lot of rapid expansion. And I have cautious optimism that Spire is going to be able to handle it. And it might not even be Carson's fault in some of the speed of the cars next year if Spire is overextending itself. I just 
would like to see a solid season. I'm sure Carson, too. I mean, just needs to run all the laps, get some solid finishes. I think he's going into next year not necessarily competing for wins or even the playoffs. I think he's just trying to finish out the season with a solid points finish, have some good runs in there, improve as the year goes on. I think he's cup ready. Talent-wise, I think, uh, with regards to just maturity and just the being ready to run 36 races a year for points and then 39 overall, that's a long time compared to the trucks. The trucks are in and out all year long. He hasn't even run a full season in Xfinity, which is usually 33. I mean, at this point, for what it's worth, he is only 20 years old. He's my age. Oh, he's, yeah. He's my age running a full cup series uh, standings after just two years now of having a full truck series or or three years excuse me of having a full truck series uh seasons so i'll i'll agree with you on 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 that sense and regarding spire buying up virtually everything in its path i agree in some sense of having cautious optimism of seeing if it's ready but at the same sense i I don't believe that Spire would be doing all of these moves if it didn't think that it could handle it in the first place. You know, it's it's a business after all, and it it it's it's people in it are, I have no doubt, are aware of its possibilities and aren't just doing it just to be like, oh, well, we want to be the best, so we might as well just buy everything. Mm. It's it's there's, there's a plan exactly. There's a plan, and I mean, Spire is tied up in the webs of, in beneficially tied up in the webs. I should specify of Hendrick and and Traghouse, which are two very very good teams in the Cup Series. So I mean, it has good people in its surrounding, and Spire, I'm sure. I mean, adding the most successful Truck Series team to ever run in the truck. Uh, I mean, it's going to have a lot of talented people within that organization. Already does, but it's just adding more to the coup over there. And I think it will. Hopefully, I'm just hopefully I'm hoping that it works out well. Cautious optimism. I'd like to see it go well. I'd like to see it succeed. But at the same time, it just needs to. It's going to have growing pains next year, whether they like it or whether it likes it. Or not, so it just needs to keep in mind of that. On to the next topic. We mentioned it earlier. Sheldon Creed was announced not long ago today. He will not be returning to the RCR number two car next season in the Xfinity series. Sean, it's a bit of a shocker, but then again, the performance hasn't necessarily been there for Creed. He's into the next round of the NASCAR Xfinity series playoffs, but now will be a lame duck. Who should RCR put in the number two car and where do you think Creed goes next year? Honestly, this move was a little bit more surprising considering it's his past couple of weeks. Just when it seemed like uh, Sheldon Creed f- figured things out in in the two car, he had back-to-back top two finishes earlier or later in the summer, I guess I should say, in Watkins Gun in Daytona and a good run in Kansas. He's done well so far, so it's really a shame that Creed is out, but... I, honestly, it'll just be interesting to me to see who RCR brings in. I've heard rumor. I, 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 I've seen people saying maybe Ty Dillon, but I don't know about that. I mean, it would be a family driver. It would be a family driver, and there would probably be more 
uh, more sp- sponsorship, more backing going to Dylan than there would be for Sheldon Creed, at least a little bit. So maybe he wouldn't be the. F- uh, I I don't know if that's the first name that would have popped up for me in in that, but I don't. Other than that, I don't really have an answer. It, it, it came up a little bit more surprising to me considering his past couple of weeks. Yeah, I mean, Creed has stepped up the performance this year on the on the Xfinity side of things. Obviously, he'll be going somewhere else next year. I don't know where he'll be going, uh, but uh, I think some names to consider potentially for the number two seat. Uh, I mean, Parker Redslaff, I know, is in the run of mill. He's in the, he's in the sphere of things over there, and whether he's a rental for the 31 car this year or not, we'll have to wait and see, but I would not be shocked to see Parker Redslaff in the number two car next year. Uh, another guy that I think RCR could consider that is uh, two other guys. It's, he's already driving the number two car and he ran in Xfinity races last year and finished in the top 10 in RCR equipment, albeit with big machine racing. I think Nick Sanchez should be up for debate. Um, also, Raja Karuth probably up there. I know he had a bit of an interesting year in the trucks this year, but obviously has some money behind him and a lot of people thinking very highly of him. Also in the Chevy sphere of things. So I I think those are three drivers that should be considered for that ride. Retzlaff, Sanchez, Haruth. Um, uh, there's, I'm sure there's others that are out there, but I think Chevy should be looking at those three and being like, hmm, you know, maybe, maybe we should put them in the two car, but I'm just hoping that no, whoever ends up in that car doesn't necessarily have the same tenure as Creed did, where he had a really rough first season. He missed the playoffs in the Xfinity Series in an RCR car, which is a car, might I add, that won two straight titles with Tyler Reddick in the number two car. So that is a car with good equipment, is a good team. And I don't know, I think Creed, with the money that he has, and, you know, he hasn't won yet in the Xfinity Series, but as we saw with Haley Deegan, you don't necessarily need to win to make it up to the next level. So I wouldn't be shocked if he goes cup racing next year. Maybe, maybe he does that. Uh, obviously, he wouldn't, he and RCR wouldn't be parting ways, I think, unless there was some sort of a plan in motion. So we'll see where Creed ends up next year. If he goes cup racing or stays in Xfinity, we'll just have to wait and see. So we'll have one final topic on this episode of Speed Zone tonight. <laughs> Chandler Smith and Colleague Racing have, I guess, been having some exchanging some barbs where there were some comments in the post-race press conference uh, from Chris Rice, who is the uh, team manager at uh, Colleague Racing. AJ Allmendinger was also there, and um, obviously there were some questions being asked about uh, some of the drama going on at Colleague Racing with regards to the driver lineup for next year. Really, the only guy that's been confirmed across the entire team is Daniel Hemrick in the 31 Cup car uh, for next year, but I'm just reading off of the transcript here, and it was, the question asked was, looking at it from afar, why is it not a clear-cut decision when you have a talented driver who can obviously win at the Cup level? Talking about the 16 Cup car for next year for Colleague, Chris Rice said, it is a clear-cut decision, we just haven't announced it yet. And then the follow-up question to that was, Chandler Smith, is he going to be returning to the Xfinity Series program next year? AJ Allmendinger says, we're celebrating a win here. Obviously not happy about this going on. And then Chris Rice is like, no, I got you. And then said, you should talk to his agent. And then 
the reporter who I believe was Bianchi says is he asked for a buyout and then Chris Rice says again you should talk to his agent and then AJ Albendinger said we also won a cup race today so that's pretty cool so the dinger was trying to keep things light and (laughs) Chris Rice was obviously a little unhappy and he said you know I didn't know we could win you should talk to his agent. So, woo, I don't know about that. That's a little spicy, but uh, there's been rumors that Chandler Smith could be trying to get out of his contract, which is apparently a three-year contract for him and colleague. He's in year one of that three-year contract, and there have been rumors swirling that he's wanted out of that situation since April of this year. So, Sean, uh, obviously some barbs being traded. Uh, Chandler Smith wanting to go over potentially to Joe Gibbs Racing in the, in the Xfinity side. I post to you the final question tonight. Do you see Smith and colleague potentially heading for an ugly split in a real TMZ of a headline? Or do you think they rekindle and maybe Smith stays there for the next season? With the way things have gone, especially especially recently with those quotes and just how rumors have been thrown about that this has been happening for a while at least as rumors have gone it it does not look good for any sort of re uh, rekindling, rekindling of relationship is, yeah rekindling is the word i was thinking of uh, between colleague and chandler smith i just don't see it happening at all with between this interview and just everything else that's been talked about, I just don't see it. I think being that publicly dismissive about thing or publicly, I guess, frustrated about things, and Chris Rice is obviously a guy in the garage who is not afraid to speak his mind. But then again, he is very professional with regards to how he goes about managing, you know, PR for a colleague. I mean, he has built this team with Matt Colleague from the ground up. He does not want this thing to sink. And I don't think he would be getting that publicly frustrated with that question unless things were at least in a savable spot. <laughs> I think the fact that he's coming out and saying those things publicly, it, it's torched. It's done. It certainly seemed like after A.J. Allmendinger ha- happy as ever in, in victory lane, and then as mm-hmm. soon as as soon as soon Chandler Smith gets brought up, immediately the skies go from blue to a dark, rainy cloud <laughs> immediately over that interview. So mm-hmm. just off of that interview and just the rumors that he's wanted to go back to Toyota, who... Or he raced for exactly. basically his entire career up until this season. Yeah, and had solid runs in the truck series with with Kyle Busch Motorsports it does not look promising for him and colleague no I uh I'm gonna have to agree with you on that one I I think whether it's a buyout or he finds some sort of a way to get out of that contract I think if the if the relationship there is fried enough and there is no going back I think it would be mutually beneficial for both sides to split I mean, it would be a dagger for Colleague on the racing talent sides, uh, side of the equation because Smith is very talented. He is an incredibly talented race car driver, and I would be just as frustrated as Chris Rice is about him wanting out of my racing organization. I'd be like, come on, man. I'd like, stay here. I know you, we can put together a team that can win a championship and can still win a championship this year in the Xfinity Series. So 
I think Rice has all the excuse in the world to be frustrated about this because it must be incredibly frustrating, especially when Colleg does not have a lineup finalized for the Xfinity Series next year. It has three full-time cars this year, and it does not have a at least confirmed driver for next year. So who knows? We'll be in any of those cars, but, you know, I... I It's been a while since I've seen barbs like that traded between team owner and driver uh, that publicly, especially considering the the equation of just coming off of the first cup win in two years for the uh, team and first ever as a full-time team in the cup series when it won the Indianapolis road course. It was not full-time, but it was was a bit of a spicy exchange, uh, Sean. And uh, with the music rolling in the background, I'd like to thank you for being on the program tonight. It's always a pleasure having you on the show. Indeed. All right. With that, that is the closing of the show tonight. Thanks for listening to Speed Zone here on this Wednesday evening. We'll be back next week, 7 p.m. to 8 p.m. We'll be discussing all the latest topics and everything, but hope you have a good night. Plenty of racing this weekend to watch. Please go watch it. Some exciting stuff. So in the meantime, stay safe. Have a great evening. You've been listening to another sports presentation on the Cutting Edge Sports Radio Network.